Hello, and welcome to the Astra Economic Review. My name is John Eckstein. I'm the Chief Investment Officer of Astra Investment Management. I'm joined today by my friend, Nick Hell. Nick, hello. Hello. Always a pleasure to be here. Always a pleasure. Our newish payroll day tradition, Nick is the CEO of Armory Capital and a long-term fixed income maven. So we're recording this a little bit after the payroll number on Friday, the 2nd of February. We're going to go through some news from, this has been a busy week with payrolls today, ISM yesterday, confidence number today is worth mentioning. That's all mainly good news is the takeaway. And then talk about what Powell said on Wednesday, and then see how much we think he's going to have to take back (laughs) in six weeks. So that's the plan. I'm going to say, kind of in a nutshell, like I still see things going fine with the economy. Yes, if you look at the sort of secondary indicators, you can maybe see the signs of slowing, but you have to really look for it. Do you agree with that summary, Nick? Yeah, absolutely. I think starting to hear the Phrase no landing. Uh, (laughs) (laughs) So we'll see. But I think this is, you know, I think this economy is amazingly resilient. The consumer is amazingly resilient. And as we can see, the employment numbers are amazingly resilient and strong. Yeah, they're quite strong. So headline number changing on farm payrolls plus 350, highest in several months, double what the survey said. Upward revision to the last two months of 120,000. That's a lot too. And unemployment rate stayed the same, 3.7. So one thing that might surprise people is that you get this big upward revision and a big number and the labor force participation rate is the same. And I think we flagged it last month. It might have been the month before, but... You know, the labor force participation rate and the payroll numbers come from two different surveys released on the same day and done by the same people. The establishment survey, you ask businesses, the household survey, you ask dudes. And they're showing sort of a big divergence now. And that divergence actually widened last month. The BLS helpfully gives you a chart you have to look for a little bit that reconciles the household survey to the payroll survey. And usually uh, they're pretty similar over time, but they they're at a pretty wide point. Now this can maintain for ten years, something like that, right? Like it doesn't have to snap back anytime soon. But the idea that the payroll that the household survey is widening is concerning to me because like those are two different ways of measuring the same thing, and so one reasonable explanation of them being different is the truth of someplace in the middle. So I guess, like I definitely, you know, I've been saying for several months, like I don't see the weakness in the labor market. So I still believe that, but I definitely have my eye on this household survey. Do you have any thoughts on that, Nick? Yeah, I don't track the household survey as, as closely as you do. And, you know, I don't know how much that is impacted by consumer sentiment, but I think there just generally seems to be a disconnect, right? terms of the strength and then sort of the perceived weakness in the economy that that we continue to hear about. And I don't know if that has to do with inflation and still consumers playing catch up more than anything else. I think it does have to do with inflation. And I think you'll know. So one thing I did want to mention 
is that the Michigan sentiment survey came in a little bit stronger than expected. That's sort of a surprise because that number comes out in two pieces, right? They give you the, they survey people all through the month. They release a preliminary survey, you know, around the 15th, the 20th, and then they give you the final number few days later, like that shouldn't change very much, right? Like most of that is baked in the cake already, but like it does look like people are getting a little bit more optimistic there. And you've got, you know, as when you talk about wage growth now, you see that yeah, uh, accelerating, at least for January. We'll see if that continues. And Paul talked in his press conference a lot about goods deflation, right? That has helped the inflation numbers. So you kind of see that maybe there is some catch up that's happened here that now has gained some consumers have gained some positive perspective on. It's just a question, is that sustainable? Yeah, I mean, you do see the so the average hourly earnings were 0.61% January over December. That is a volatile number, but that's the highest we've seen in a year right. more. And the three month moving average of that is now up to above 0.4% a month, which analyzes to, you know, three and a half or 4% a, a year. That would be running a little, a little hot, maybe a little hotter than we thought. Right. And if you look at some other labor market numbers, you know, where are, where are sort of things going well, going badly with the jolts numbers a few days ago, like the quits rate and the job leavers rate, those aren't the same survey. But those are both two things that we've got our eye on as being a negative. Number of temporary help employees is negative. People employed part-time for economic reasons is negative. So those are all some things which are a little bit of concern in the secondary series and been getting a little bit worse over the last few months. And then a lot of what we see as positive in the labor market is a little bit softer data. So like surveys of economists or, or surveys of consumers about how the, the labor market is, those are becoming a little bit more bullish. So, you know, we will see how that stuff sorts out in the future. So what do you think of Powell? He was definitely trying to say he was not going to hike in March um the get that message today at least even if it didn't yes yesterday we were all about you know claims was up so the economy is doing bad but so i guess first the fed fund futures market right now is saying 125 basis points of cuts in calendar 2024 is that you take the over or under on that they've been shifting i i'm taking the under now yeah I think the thing that hit me most in listening to Paul, which hasn't really, from all that I've read, it really hadn't been focused on as much by the all the various analysts, et cetera, was his statement that he sees 3% plus growth being consistent with hitting their inflation target. Where before it seemed like he was pushing for some weakness to get to that inflation target. Right. Now he seems to think that it's consistent that actually he can hit it even with continued growth at relatively high levels, I would think, you know, three plus percent. Well, I mean, I think he's got some evidence on his side, right? Uh, well, yeah, no, there's, 
right as moderated in the past you know year and the economy has been strong and so like maybe we can just keep doing this right like let's yeah, just no. right i don't disagree with that it's just when he was talking about disaggregating the inflation data and focused on goods inflation deflation oh, as yeah. an offset and then also talking about moderating wage inflation and hoping that housing costs were finally going to start moderating and that hopefully the service sector would start moderating it just seemed like there was a lot of well there's dislocation that's come out of the inflation numbers now on the good side and when does that moderate and is there really additional offsets when that does and that's really the that was the thing that intrigued me the most in the conversation that he had was that they're going to watch all that carefully because you know there is a sort of outside you know you don't usually expect and see goods deflation you know and so there's that's well, an, that's an, I mean, there was that's like, a, there was goods deflations for a long time right like goods deflation was kind of the, what you expected for the last 20 years right with like globalization now we're supposed to be like oh that's going to well, yeah <laughs> right but you know it wasn't only it's, it's the supply chain kind of getting back to more normalized level so that's where then you've got what's going on with the red sea you know you just start thinking that there's going to be other issues with cost of goods that mm-hmm. At least, well, uh, if it continues with the disruption in the Red Sea, and I think that's been, you know, and, and talking and thinking about it, it's like it's that's a huge supply chain disruption that's happening right now. It is, it is, but like that seems eminently treatable to me. And also, you know, if it's like okay, now everybody's got to take fifteen more days on their on, you know, I don't know, 30% of the trade routes in the world, like, I don't know, we've got extra shipping and we can just put some extra ships on those and like, it's not the end of the world. Yeah, no, it's just, it's just a cost question. That's all in my mind. It's not that you won't get it done. It's just, it's already increased the cost of shipping. Yes. Uh, And so that's my only point is that that's another factor that can impact cost of goods that we haven't seen in the last six months where you've seen the goods deflation. That's, my only concern is that there's then now the, with this wage number, which seems to go in a different direction than what Paul was at least hoping, uh, at least through his press conference, that, you know, are we seeing that the growth will continue, to, is going to have some impact on that inflation number? And are we going to, as a result, that's where I go, bottom line to the under, is that I think it may mean that we don't see cuts now until much later in the year. And and it could be below 100 basis points. You know, I think that what's interesting, the SOFR curve is pricing in about a 100 basis point cut this year. Yeah. If, if you look at the SOFR curve, which yep. we track a lot for a lot of our clients on the investment banking side. I mean, I thought that was aggressive and I think it continues to be. So I think that's where it's just a question of sort of, you know, part of it is that, and we almost heard this in the press conference as well, is that he's not cutting because he doesn't have to, right? <laughs> You've got yeah no I mean that's a, that's been my <laughs> thing right so I'm a, l- a little on two minds right on the one hand like if rates were 400 basis points today like I wouldn't want to raise them to 500 right like fine but on the other hand things seem fine right so like why I don't see the rush to cut I don't see what that I don't see what cutting gets us right like the economy's doing as as well as you could hope inflation is moderating. 
like just stand pat, I think is this is the safest thing to do. But we've sort of talked, but I mean, on a real rate argument, I guess we've talked ourselves right. it's time to cut. Right. Like I don't see the evidence for it, but like I'm definitely in the minority there. You know, we had a little straw poll amongst ourselves, and like I was the only one who was seeing two or fewer cuts this year. And I don't like, that feels a little lonely, but still, like, I definitely see anything today that's going to make that well, I was going to say, I'm, I now join you in that. <laughs> it makes you feel any better. <laughs> it does make me feel better. Because um, I was thinking part of it was not so much about it. And listen, the, what the impact on the, the regional banking sector, and that I think has, even though it tends not to enter into the conversation, it, I think it certainly did last March uh, when it was a bit more extreme, but you know, I do think that the commercial real estate market in general is a lot of things are happening in 2024. A lot of maturities are occurring and a lot of regional banks are going to be negatively impacted. And you saw sort of the first inklings of that with what's happened with New York Community Bank. You know, I think you're going to see more of that. And the question is whether it will impact and ultimately their decision with respect to rates. You know, I do think that you're going to, you know, we're seeing that in our conversations with a, a number of banks out there that we speak to a lot on the investment banking side, that that's the sector. It's not that the major banks are going to be necessarily hugely impacted because it's a smaller percentage of their portfolios than, than what you see on the regional bank side. And I think that's where you're going to start seeing more of what we just saw where the, you know, the regional banks should have to come out and start recalibrating expectations with growth because they're going to be impacted by that. And it's, they've, it's hard to keep it mark to market when you're starting to get maturities that are, going to have to be, you know, so many of these cases are going to be impaired. I think that's a good point. And I was going to ask you, like, with your distressed hat on, are there like unusual numbers of banks that are bubbling up to your attention or do they not really get the distressed label? No, I'd, I'd say in general, sort of the banking sector is strong. It's not because it's fairly diversified, except in this one case with respect to the regional banks. And, and that's really been the area of, of growth for a lot of regional banks and lending to the commercial space. But in general, you're seeing that there's certainly weakness in the portfolio, and that's driven more by SOFR and rates for companies that are on the edge and also weakness with respect to goods, you know, retail, not so much on the top line, but on a profitability standpoint, because I think what you're seeing is a lot of price cuts that have been driving this price deflation more than anything else to because the consumer has shifted to the service sector in sort of their what they're decided to buy, right? And so you're trying to pull them back. And so that's what you're seeing with a lot of our retail clients. They're trying to pull them back and get those dollars back by offering discounts. So we'll see how all that normalizes in 2024. But you combine that with a kind of an elevated rate environment, you know, it's having a big impact on these companies. And so we're seeing banks speak to us about troubled credits in their portfolio, particularly in the middle market, because of those two dynamics. Yeah, I think that that all makes sense. So I guess since we're at least on hold for at least another month or two, watch how the CPI continues to unfold. But, you know, economy looks pretty good to me here. Yeah, I couldn't agree more. Okay, I think we'll leave it there. Thanks very much for your time, Nick. 
And thanks for listening. And if you'd like more information about our economic outlook, you can check the Astor website, AstorIM, that's IM for investmentmanagement.com, or you can reach out to your Astor sales rep. Thanks, Nick. Yep, have a good day. Astor Investment Management, LLC, is an SEC-registered investment advisor. All investing involves risk, including potential loss of principal. There is no guarantee any investment strategy will achieve its objectives or be profitable. All information contained herein is for informational purposes only and does not constitute advice for any particular individual. This is not a solicitation to offer investment advice or services in any state where to do so would be unlawful. Analysis and research are provided for informational purposes only, not for trading or investment purposes. All opinions expressed are as of the date of publication and subject to change. They are not intended as investment recommendations. Occasionally, guest speakers not affiliated with Astor are featured, and their opinions are their own and not necessarily shared by Astor. See Astor's form ADV on AstorIM.com or the SEC website for additional information.